Don't let the imposter syndrome voices speak too loudly. Try to shut them out. When you feel like you might be lagging behind in some way or that, you know, the guy sitting next to you will be better, don't let him get you down. Like, just go keep doing the things that you enjoy and you're passionate about, <laughs> regardless of the feedback that you get externally. Don't be afraid to ask for help because everybody asks for help. This is In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. I'm Suchi Srinivasan. Each episode, we have meaningful and vulnerable conversations with women leaders in digital, business, and technology. Camilla is out this week, so I get to introduce you to today's conversation with Sharon Mandel, CIO at Juniper Networks. It's a company that creates AI-powered IT products and solutions that meet the growing demands of the connected world. Sharon is a powerhouse in the world of tech, with more than 20 years of experience in the industry. She was named as one of Women in Tech Network's top executives to watch in 2024. We're also pleased to have previous In Her Element guest, Naveen Awad, as our interviewer today. Naveen is Managing Director and Partner at BCG. She is also the Detroit office leader and heads up BCG's Women in Technology Initiative in North America. Here's Naveen's conversation with Sharon. So we've been excited to hear about your career. So why don't we start off by telling our audience a little bit about your career trajectory? Well, I started as a software engineer out of college, had a number of jobs at kind of startups and larger companies, and also in different technologies. And the larger company one paid more and was a technology I liked at the time that I was good at and I felt comfortable with. But there was a startup that wanted to hire me, paying a little bit less, but using much more cutting-edge technology. My operating system professor said, oh, you should absolutely take that job. And he kind of gave me the equivalent of the Wayne Gretzky advice, right? Don't don't skate to where the puck is, but to where the puck is going, which is advice I've kind of followed throughout my career. So interestingly enough, that was long ago enough that networking was actually a relatively new field, a new technology, and a lot of advancements were happening there, So, as well as uh, Unix-based operating systems. So I took a job at a startup doing that, and I stayed very, very technical for a very long time, and then at some point, I found myself running my a startup my ex-husband and I started. And while he was the business degree person and I had the computer science degree, he wrote all the software and I ran the business. And that was eye-opening and educational. At some point, it was clear he wasn't really going to scale. So I went back to work. And I had, while I was working for our small company, Continued to stay in touch with the outside world doing consulting for my old boss and a new CTO came to that company and ultimately I did a special project. This was when Java was coming out and the internet was really being used as a basis for how applications were going to be built. And that gentleman became the CTO of Tribune Company. So. I started a 10-year career in media, helping put the media companies online, 
helping build technology that was used for delivery of digital television and participated in the digital television rollout. And I became the first CTO of Tribune's internet division when they spun it off. And then they moved me to a product technology role, a publishing technology role that was much more like being a CIO than a CTO. And at the time, I didn't really understand the difference. One is a CTO is definitely more product thinking. The CIO is really much more about helping the company operate well and deliver those products well. So it leaned on very much the same skills I had, but felt very different. And so for about a decade, I went back and forth between CTO and kind of CIO roles. And then uh, ultimately around 2010, 2011, I decided to stick with the CIO role. I got an MBA along the way at the University of Chicago. When I went from running my own company that was maybe 10 people and we were a million or $2 million a year in revenue to a big public company, there were things I didn't understand about finance and how people made those decisions. So I decided to get an MBA. And uh, I always say that's the gift that keeps on giving in my career because I feel like the CIO role sits at, at this place where you get to see how the entire business operates end to end. And that mindset of understanding why we're here. And as a business, we're not here for technology's sake, right? We're here to drive uh, profitability and growth for our shareholders. That's really nice. But when I do it in a, a technology company, I'm often the customer of the products as well. And so I get to have that kind of former CTO-ish product opinion that I work with our product teams on. I also sort of think of the CIO role as the product manager for how the company operates in many ways. So yeah, that's how I've landed here now at Juniper Networks. So it's great to hear your stories. You've clearly done so much cool stuff. And I'd love to now move from the past to the present and talk about your current role. Can you tell us what Juniper Networks does? Juniper sells products that help companies manage and operate their networks and deliver quality connectivity experiences to our users. We now do it through AI. So Juniper's history is a little bit, company's about 26 or 27 years old now. And they started out building really high capacity, high speed routers to help build out the internet in the 90s. And service providers, large telcos, and now cable companies and internet service providers do that work. They then progressed into the cloud data center space through their switching and routing products. But both of those businesses are, while strong, profitable businesses, they're very lumpy in terms of the customer's consumption cycles. And it's relatively large, complex transactions with a relatively small number of customers. And as we all know, the stock market likes very consistent performance. So that's a tough place to be as a public company. So a number of years ago, our CEO bought an enterprise networking company called Mist that was changing the Wi-Fi experience through the use of AI. 
And we're now in the process of bringing all of that smarts back throughout the entire network and really changing how network operators do their work um, and rely much more on the machine to do things. You know, troubleshooting networks is very complicated. It's huge volumes of data. People aren't particularly good at processing that. So we try to let the machine help the network operators do that, help the network operators think about how their network should be configured and automatically do that for them. It's a really, we've become much more of a software company over time than a hardware company. And it's a really exciting both business transformation, but of course all the systems that support the business have had to evolve to support that transformation as well. So that's what makes it fun to be the CIO here. Because we're an AI company, we felt it was important to have some stated principles about why, when, and where we do AI and how we go about it. I think Juniper was relatively early in publicly publishing those principles. We had some conversations with some of our large shareholders, and they see that as a kind of longer, perhaps ESG type issue. You know, it was important for us to be able to tell our customers what we're doing and what we're not doing. And I think these responsible AI concepts start to come into play as you think about how are you using your employees' data to make decisions? How are you using your customers' data? Do these decisions have impact on people's lives in ways that bias might be important? Are you making employment decisions based on AI answers? If you are, you better know what data that model was trained on and that it doesn't bring bias to the equation. There's a lot of talk about, you know, do you trust a third party with your data? Do you trust a third party with your information? Do you believe everything you hear, right? You have to ask questions about the answers that these things give. And depending on how things are built, you might have to be more or less careful. So we have to be really careful to train our users as we're deploying that technology in what they need to be on the lookout for. So one of the reasons it's so exciting to talk to you is you're a very visible and highly successful senior leader in tech. What do you think the field can do so that we can get more visible senior women leaders in tech and you know to help women progress in their career trajectory towards senior leadership. You know, first I think we have to do the women who are in the field, we all have to do a better job marketing why it's been a good field for us. And maybe what flexibilities you might be able to gain through being a technologist. For me, Granted, I was in a relatively senior position, also relatively young. I was a single mom for a long time without a lot of support for periods of time. And being a technologist, I felt gave me great agency and gave me a lot of confidence that, hey, you know, if I took some time off at different periods. So, you know, to the degree I took gap years, I took them during my career at key points in my daughter's growing up, whether it was when she was transitioning from middle school to high school or high school to college to make sure that those things went well for her. And being a technologist and knowing that the skills I had were in demand gave me confidence enough to be able to take those, make those moves and feel like I could come back and rebuild my career. So I, I think some of it is on all of us to do a better job marketing. I think some of it is on the education system and how do we start to apply 
the technology lessons in a way that are, are more consumable by women and girls. Not always a math and science problem, right? But, you know, maybe in the things that we've raised our girls to enjoy, how, to, how does tech play there? I think, and I think it starts early. And then it also happens in the workplace. How do we hire? What are our hiring practices? How are we making sure that we have diverse interview teams, that we pause and not rush into hiring the person we know who is more than likely to be a guy who can help us solve the problem that's immediately at hand and really go and make sure that we're not just doing what's easy, but also what's right to make our teams more diverse. Diversity comes in many flavors. I I don't only think it's about women and men. I think it's about where in the world do you come from? How were you raised? What is your economic status? All of those things drive how you think about the world and bring different perspectives to problem solving. And at the end of the day, that's what technology is about, is about problem solving. So the more diversity we have across the board, the better off we're going to be. I love your point about tech being at the heart of problem solving. It's funny, like when I think about myself as a college student, as a computer scientist, I always felt that the core part of what you needed to do was break down the problem into its pieces. And then creating a solution was actually very straightforward from that. So I I love that point. So, I mean, I'd love to hear kind of more advice that you would give to early career women who are looking to enter tech industry or AI or any part of like data, digital industry. What are some tidbits you would tell them? Yeah, well, I I think first is, and I've certainly experienced some of these things myself as I've gone through my career, but don't let the imposter syndrome voices speak too loudly. Try to shut them out. When you feel like you might be lagging behind in some way or that, you know, the guy sitting next to you will be better, don't let him get you down. Like, just go keep doing the things that you enjoy and you're passionate about, (laughs) regardless of the feedback that you get externally. Don't be afraid to ask for help because everybody asks for help. You know, don't feel that that's some sign of weakness. I think that's something many of us suffer from, feeling like, if we have to raise our hand, that somehow we'll be thought of as less capable. I think that people who are willing to ask questions early and get the answers and make progress are a lot smarter than the rest of us who might sit around (laughs) fumbling around in the darkness for a long time. Don't think that there are bad questions. And what's interesting, I think, for, for someone in my role as a CIO, we're at some level paid to drive efficiency, consistency, operability, but when I look at this next generation, and you see it in engineers all over the place, they want their environment to be personal. They want the tools they use to be fit them like a glove. And that's not the same person to person to person, experience to experience, role to role. And so I think that that puts a lot on us to figure out how do we manage those environments and create that balance between that truly personal enablement of of an employer customer versus what do you have to do to run something at scale at a reasonable cost. Before we close out, is there anything we missed? Is there anything that you would like to talk about that we didn't get to? 
We talked a little bit about taking breaks and coming back to work. You know, I think one of the other things we need to do for women, and, and the pandemic really highlighted this for me, is I talked a bit about how I felt being in technology gave me great agency and confidence, but I didn't see that play out for women during the pandemic. And I think that's because they're still the people who are primarily responsible for taking care of the kids and the household and how we figure out how to share that load better, but also acknowledge that that load may not ever get shared equally, then how do you give people the opportunity to come back and bring their talents to the workforce? And I will tell you that for a long time in my life, I didn't think I was going to be a mom. I didn't think I wanted to be. And after having my daughter, I can't imagine not having been a mom, you develop new valuable skills <laughs> as a person has to do all of that. And for us to waste that with 50% of the population just because they took some time off at key moments while their kids needed them or their families needed them to kind of take that load, I think is a huge waste. As a society, I think one of the biggest equalizers across men and women pursuing senior roles is to basically make it the standard that everyone takes leave when children are born. So there's mat leave and there's pat leave. And that way, if it's normal that everyone is gonna come in and out of their career, everyone is gonna take breaks, it becomes something that's like less, women feel is less stigmatized because it's just part of the career and life journey. And, and also sometimes you might opt to, like to your point, like if the needs at home are pretty stable, you might ramp down there in order to ramp up because you have this unique career opportunity. And I, I think it's never, you're never in this world of, you're constantly making choices about where to double down and where not to. And they evolve. Again, they evolve over, you know, what phase of life you're in. We can't end the podcast without asking you, can you tell us about a time when you felt in your element? So I'd say... There's kind of in my element at work and in my element outside of work. And um, the times that I'm in my element at work, you know, my role isn't to be the hands-on person anymore, but to help make a team underneath me successful and, and my users around me successful. So I think when I get most excited is when I've helped coach or direct a team in a certain way and they really they make that developmental leap they achieve a certain goal and they get the recognition for it without it having to be asked for it comes in naturally i'd say my happiest moments at work are when people who i've helped mentor or coach go on to do jobs equally as interesting or even more interesting than the one I do. And outside of work, I would have said, you know, except that I haven't been riding, probably being on a great bike ride. As I said, I'm still a huge, passionate fan of dance. Seeing one of the world's great ballerinas perform an iconic role and have it really be moving is, uh, is something that makes me feel really special and happy and joyful, so... And also my daughter, right? Seeing my daughter be successful because your kids are always your, hopefully that's what you feel is your greatest achievement when you <laughs> walk away at the end of the day.
That was Naveen's conversation with Sharon. This conversation was so impactful on a few different levels. I loved how Sharon was able to normalize the imposter syndrome and give it a voice, a name, and almost give us permission to the rest of us that it's okay. You know, as such a highly respected leader and an accomplished leader in the tech space, for her to actually come out and say, it's okay, everybody has these questions, everybody has these doubts, and no one's perfect. And it's normal and it's common to be able to asking these questions and ask colleagues for help is huge because I think what we've observed and what we've heard from younger women in their careers, especially in the tech spaces, how intimidating it is to get started out here in this field, especially if you don't have all of the sort of engineering and technology credentials and you're trying to break in, that imposter syndrome is not only real, but is really taking over people's days. And for her to come out and legitimize it, I think is huge. The other thing that I, I'd never thought about tech this way, but once she verbalized it and vocalized it, it was so obvious to me that tech is also unique in that you can take a break and you can come back. And there's this notion of you can have a career that necessarily isn't a straight line because guess what? Tech never goes out of fashion. Well, that's all for today. This has been In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. Join us next time to hear more meaningful and vulnerable conversations with women leaders in digital business and technology. Thank you so much for listening. 